What is up, boys and girls? It's your pal Jay Stone, and it is time for another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. It is, I guess, technically still quarantine, so we're still calling it that. Maybe we'll have to reevaluate the name one of these months, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, but for now, it's episode 52 of Both Laugh. Uh, we are joined by a really fun and unique guest this time. If I do say so myself, I know that I always say I had a really good time doing this one and I was excited to do it, but um, that is certainly true of this one. Uh, the guest this time out is Tuna Tardunio. Uh, she is uh, she fronts the band Sweat, which is a Los Angeles hardcore band, but they're not a typical hardcore band. They, uh, they bring some interesting elements to them and, and if there's one thing in a lot of the material that's been written about the band to date, they're still a pretty new band, but the thing that tends to strike people is that they sound different and they are doing different things than other hardcore bands. And I think that that is entirely true. There's some, there are riffs upon riffs upon riffs on this album. Um, there's some seventies grooves to it. it. It's a, it's a really interesting album for those that, have been fans of Dying Scene over the years, you might realize that uh, hardcore is not necessarily my wheelhouse. Uh, that is certainly still the case. Uh, but this is a fun album, and uh, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's out on Pirates Press, one of my favorite labels. Um, it is you. It came out a couple of weeks ago, so you can find it wherever you get records. It is available on vinyl physically. I'm holding it in my hands as we speak. Uh, it probably should have been out a long time ago, thanks to Adele, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So uh, enjoy this conversation. Like I said, this was really fun, and uh, it, I had a I had a good time doing this. We talk an awful lot about hardcore and about uh, growing up in upstate New York, uh, as Tuna did, and about her career in wrestling and some of the parallels, really, between the DIY wrestling world and the DIY punk and hardcore world. And um, we talk shit and we have some laughs and uh, I may or may not get myself in trouble with certain members of the Boston community, <clears throat> but uh, you'll have to listen and find out. Anyway, it is uh, episode 52 of Both Laugh and it is coming up right after the intro music. All right. So the recording in progress sign means that uh, it's time to dive into another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. I think it's episode 52. Uh, since we got this ball rolling, you would think I would have counted. Um, <laughs> and while we've had people who are fans of wrestling and certainly have been in hardcore bands, this is the first time we've had a guest who uh, you might actually know from both of those worlds. Uh, she fronts the band Sweat, who just put out their debut full-length album, Gotta Give It Up, which we'll talk about, which I can feel like a talk show host and hold it up because yeah. it's, it's awesome. Uh, we'll talk about that. It's out on Pirates Press, Re Pirates Press Records, came out a couple of weeks ago. Tuna Tardunio, which I think I pronounced right. Thanks for coming on the show. This is cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, I kick a lot of these shows off by talking, uh, as I was sort of intimating before we hit record, the... Um, 
the show really started in the early days of quarantine to talk about people who uh, had their plans canceled by quarantine and, and had to put things on hold and then started doing things to sort of be creative and stay connected to people both inside and outside their bands. But I feel like Sweat has a little bit of a different uh, angle on that because you guys essentially just got together in like 2019 and then the world shut down basically. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Perfect timing. <laughs> it's great timing. Uh, yeah. I had a bunch of things like lined up in like many creative uh, outlets and they all just like shut down like right away. Like, yeah. What would 2020 have looked like had uh, the world not ended? I mean, Justin who plays guitar, he was like, <laughs> working um his friend robert runs a record store um in berlin and like he was already in the talks with him about like maybe doing europe in the summer and i mean if we weren't going to do europe we were planning on doing like west coast east coast maybe mexico you know we were just like let's just hit the ground running and just non-stop tour um and he he's a professor so like he kind of like shows that so that he could have ample time to yeah, yeah right um so like, yeah, we were like ready to do that. We had the seven inch coming out in April. Like we were really like ready to go. And then, you know, that got the kibosh. <laughs> um, and then it was funny because the record came out and of course, because of COVID and all of like the Adele's of the world and then just like the general like shortage of everything. Like the record was supposed to come out in like October. And then it's like, wait, just oh, kidding, wow. coming out in December. Just kidding. It's going to come out in February. And it's just because like, supply chain and like right. just everything is just like so it's like covid keeps fucking us <laughs> and then like we've had a couple shows even this month get canceled because like you know it's yeah. still spiking so it's like we're really trying man <laughs> we just want to play i feel like on this show especially people within the last maybe six or eight months that have put out albums, I feel like we're all united in like the fuck Adele thing because yeah. she's like, that, <laughs> she truly it, fucked us. It really like threw the whole supply chain into chaos. And yeah. I and mean, it's, it's what, it's there just, are certainly other examples, but I feel like we're, everybody's sort of in unison about fuck Adele. <laughs> well, cause she wanted 500,000 records on release day available. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't like, I'm going to put out a ton and then like just continuously press them. She's like, no, everyone needs to stop what they're doing and put my record out. And it's like, no one's buying Adele to fucking listen to it on vinyl. Like everyone's just streaming you. Like it's just. <sighs> yeah, that is a, that is, I mean, I know very little about the business side of things, but that seems like a huge misread of her target market. I like, mean, she sold a lot of records. I don't know if she sold 500,000 in the first she, week, but. I know she moved a lot of vinyl records. I don't know if they sold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, I feel like they're going to be at Target and Walmart, just sort of in perpetuity, like forever. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's it's funny because it's like, um, you know, all of the like smaller places, like the smaller record plants have closed down since then. Like when I first got like the dog teeth seven inch pressed, like, six seven eight years ago whenever that was jesus christ um oh, really was it was really that, that long ago yeah that came out 2014 holy shit. Crazy. <laughs> um uh yeah that was it that was with bill smith which was right in what el segundo and uh i believe jack white bought his all of his stuff from him um so it's like that one was gone and then we used to have rainbow records out here that's gone right, so it's like, right. it's like less and less pressing plants and like the whole like 
everyone that supported the record pressing plants for like the time when like vinyl wasn't cool is now just getting like totally fucked. And now it's like the majors are back in the pressing plants and like all the other people that like consistently put out records for the past 20 years to like keep those things open are now like fucked, you know? Yeah. And so few people made new pressing plants. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Skippy from Pirates Press was actually one of the first guests back when I was doing this show on Instagram live. And frankly, I love you, Skippy, but uh, he had a bad cell connection because we were doing it over Instagram and whatever. And if you don't have a good cell connection, then it was basically just me talking to myself for a while and his, (laughs) his, he would freeze and whatever, but we had, we've had some good conversations, he and I, about that whole side of the industry. Cause I think that it's a thing that people either don't know about or certainly take for granted the business side of actually physically pressing a record. I remember when I went to go pick up the dog teeth test presses, I like, they let me into the plant and I was like, whoa, this is how records you made. I was like, this is so cool. And they're like, literally just like miserable ass people throwing like pieces of wax on the flags. Right. They're like, right. Carol? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I feel like it was like an episode of, I feel like uh, either reading Rainbow or Destiny Mr. Street Rogers or something. Was it? Okay. I feel like there was one about one? making maybe, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. I'm, that's gotta be f- 35 years in my past. So I'm probably <laughs> misconnecting a few of those wires upstairs, but I feel like there was one about record pressing plants or something like that, but yeah, you're that right. It's awesome. probably, probably just the crayons. <laughs> well, that's what I immediately thought of was like, whoa, this is Sesame street when they made the crayons. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like such a vivid memory. So how did the band actually start? Because like you said, you you hit the ground running. Um, was that really the goal from the first couple practices or whatever to really start this new thing and go gung-ho? Or Yeah, so um, Justin has been in a million bands and has like consistently toured his whole life, basically, like his whole adult life. Um, and Anthony as well. And like both of them are insane musicians. I was really good friends with both of them. I had been wanting to start a band with Justin for a long time, just cause he's such a ripper and like, yeah, yeah. you know, so in like Anthony played in dog teeth for a while. So like I knew like Anthony and I gel well, and then I really wanted to play with Justin, but he was always in like 10 bands and I'm like, ah, he's never going to have time for it. Um, but yeah, it was just like, he had asked me to fill in for graph Orlock. We did like a couple East coast shows, which was really funny um, because he didn't tell anybody that I was doing it. <laughs> At, like at all so like, that's awesome we, were, we would just show up and like everyone's like oh this is the merch girl and then like we'd start and i just go up on stage it's like what is happening that's awesome <laughs> and then i felt really bad because it was a show in um providence actually and like a group of like four or five people from quebec drove down and like four graph and like they were so pumped and i was like oh man i feel really bad like they want to see kyle not me <laughs> and like, but they were like super pumped and they were like i can't believe we saw this like what the hell is going on but they were like pumped on it so it was cool um but yeah it was just like really funny and then so i think like then justin's like oh we can like play together too because you know not everyone like yeah, works together. Right, so, like right. i think he was like okay yeah let's do it um And yeah, it was, you know, we were all really close friends anyways. And like, I've always wanted, I've never had any luck, like gaining enough momentum to like do tours and whatnot. Like, I think Dog Teeth did like one, one week tour, you know, but it was always like too hard to get people's schedules and money wise and all this stuff. And so like, you know, Justin's a pro at it and Anthony as well. So I'm really lucky. Like, I feel really lucky to be playing with them because they're just, 
like a great people be like my best friends and yeah, yeah. insane musicians like sometimes like we'll be practicing and i'm just like watching them like jaw open and i'm like how the fuck did i <laughs> whatever i'm gonna keep doing this this tight i was gonna say is that a thing that sort of like pushes you to be better in your own like your own aspect in the band because watching those guys sort of do what they do like you kind of have to raise the bar for yourself yeah and i think um it's cool too because like um i feel like just uh anthony and i had already had like a because we play together like we understood each other's language, but like, I didn't understand Justin's guitar language for a minute. Like he just counts differently than I normally (laughs) do. So like, once we got that, it was like way easier to communicate in a, it's just cool to see Anthony, like just seamlessly be like, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's this. And like, would like bring us all together. And I'm like, okay, cool. But those Uh, two had never played together before. Right. No, they had, they uh, drums in dangers as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and they've been like on plenty of tours together. So like, they're like, oh yeah, they're like in the pocket. They're good. (laughs) (laughs) They're big chilling. Um, So yeah. uh, Yeah. It's cool. And and it's, it's also, I feel like a little challenging for all of us because like, I feel like the chains are off of Anthony because he's like, just like, do what you want. You don't have to fit like, you know, the shape of a traditional, like, we're a hardcore band, even though we're trying to explore a different sound, you have to stay in these parameters. We're just like, let's fucking, let's take the chains off. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I like listen to a ton of disco. So I'm always like, oh, what if we make it a little more funky? You're like, what if we do this? <laughs> um, and then uh, it's cool too. Cause like, just like the way Justin's brain works musically is pretty interesting. So like trying to like find a middle ground and be like, what if you did that, but did it this way? Or what if you added this thing? And it's just like, yeah. So even though I don't play anything, like, I think I'm very like, uh, present in their writing process. Um, did the writing happen quick? Cause I mean, it seems like, especially if the timeline, uh, if COVID didn't interrupt things, I mean, the EP came out and then it feels like you kind of got to work on the full length kind of right away. Justin's a riff machine. He has unlimited riffs. I don't know <laughs> like, what it's insane. Uh, we actually are recording next month. A new, oh, wow. a new record. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I guess you have to because it'll be two years before anybody yeah, right? can get it printed. He, um, I, I feel like if, uh, like I told him, like you got to chill out because like I don't have enough to bitch about, like to write all these words. <laughs> like if I didn't tell him that, he probably would be like twenty five songs deep and just like he's just like I don't know how he does it. He's and he's also like written so many records of his own between like Graf and Ghost Slim and Dangers and you know, all the things he's done. I'm like, how do you have so many songs in you? <laughs> it is wild. And he is, like you said, he's a riff machine. And I think that that's, that's really one of the things that sort of stands out about the album is uh, I know that there's sort of quotes out there about um, people saying that it's interesting and it's fun this far down the road to see a hardcore band that's doing something new. And, and so first off, that's got to be a pretty cool thing to hear from, from old gray haired guys like me that say like, Oh, that's actually like, that's something I haven't heard before. But, uh, but, but was that sort of the goal? Like we don't just want to be a hardcore band. We want to do something different. And when it, what it becomes, it becomes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think more or less like the, the first goal was we want to play together because yeah. we all like each other and we want to like, just have fun, you know? So like, that was like the first thing, you know? And then we just kind of like, didn't, like we had ideas where like oh i mean it was mostly me being a brat and like wanting to get my way <laughs> like i want thin lazy and chromax like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, absolutely 
I can hear both of those things. And if people haven't heard the albums, like those two Um, things shouldn't go together, but they do. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah. And then Justin like draws from different things and Anthony draws from different things. But then like, um, I think the more songs we write together, like, I don't know. I don't think we have anything like necessarily in mind. It's not like we're like, oh, we need to sound like this or that's it. We just kind of like put something together. And like, I think maybe a lot of like the criticism that we've gotten, like in terms of like friends that are like overhearing it and being like, oh, what about this is like, it needs to be a little bit more structured with like choruses, like coherent choruses and whatnot. Sometimes we'll like try and think of it in like those kinds of terms to like make it a little less like, uh, I don't know, not traditional, but um, yeah. I mean, other than that, we don't really necessarily like, we aren't trying to fit a mold. I guess like, it's like, you know, under the rock and roll umbrella, I don't want to leave hardcore, you know? So it's like, that's kind of like where we're at. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like, don't, I don't know. I think they're both like individually, they're both such good musicians. I don't think they should be boxed up. Take the chains off, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's probably the element that people hear when they say that uh, it's something new because, because there are those sort of like, 70s rock grooves but it's in a hardcore song it's this weird layering thing and so i think one of the things that i sort of like is that it doesn't follow any sort of you know it's not verse chorus verse chorus bridge repeat you know like a like a tim berry song i love tim berry but uh he (laughs) makes fun of himself so it's fine um like it it, is some of it is free form and and just when you think you kind of have the it psych oh yeah exactly (laughs) like there's um i'm trying to think of a song uh maybe new kind of dag does that sort of thing it's it just kind of like pulls an okie doke on you and go oh wait a minute (laughs) this is this is different yeah Yeah. does that sort of open you up to who you can play with a little bit too or do you kind of stay in the in the hardcore realm uh i mean once we can play shows we'll play (laughs) yeah when you're allowed to play (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we just played our like what ninth show the other day we have our record release show on thursday which i don't know when this is coming out but in before then yeah (laughs) um we're having our record release show so like we've only we still have played only a handful of shows um i think that you know we're mostly playing just like hardcore shows because we're playing with our friends and whatnot um but yeah like you know i i still would want to play with um you know, I don't know. It's weird because like I've always wanted to play with Chromags, but like it's kind of weird now. <laughs> I would love to play with Mackie. I'll say that about that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's the perfect neutral. Um, I shot pictures at a Chromag show a few years ago, and I didn't know which Chromags it was at the time because they it was part of like a festival thing, and I was like, oh, Harley Chromags. Uh, it was not Harley Chromags. Really? Yeah. Oh. It was really interesting. Yeah. It was, it was unexpected. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Whenever I, I don't know. I just love Mackie so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, he's sort of the stabilizing he's uh, the perfect. <laughs> force. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's like one of my all-time favorite hardcore drummers as well. Which they desperately need that sort of stabilizing force. <laughs> a, friend, a friend of mine just put, just sent me this um, shoot. I feel like I have to find it so that I can not, uh tell you the wrong band he was but he was <laughs> like a modern soul band um really yeah it was i've never seen it before uh 
so uh, this is so unprofessional <laughs> it's like, punk rock there's no such thing <laughs> all right where the hell is it uh, yeah that would be wild and i'm trying to rack my brain to think of how those circles would even overlap it he, i mean it's funny because as soon as you hear it you're like oh that's totally his drumming and also like on his drum kit it just says like mackie um doesn't even hide it it's just it's perfect oh that's funny um i don't want to waste too much of your time no that's fine. <laughs> it's so good i listen to it a bunch too uh, be funny i can go back in and edit in this <laughs> okay okay how about i'll just send it to you after yeah there you go word for it yeah no i'm really curious now to hear because that's like i said how that how those sort of scenes would even overlap that somebody yeah, in- I think he was just around i think he's just you know i think he's just like one of those guys where it's like he's a great drummer like you know he's a fucking metronome yeah, yeah. um you guys recorded with Jack Shirley at Atomic. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Grammy nominated Jack Shirley, which <laughs> which means he didn't win. Well, no, but still, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm just kidding. I love Jack. I would say that to his face. I'm yeah, not talking. No, I I think it's he. So he doesn't like hold that over people. Like I was nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> yeah, and then we have to take him back down to earth and tell him that means you lost. <laughs> Get better. So how is that experience? He's he's a guy whose brain that I've always wanted to pick because he's done such interesting and different sort of work over the years, especially for a comparatively young guy. I I've always had this picture of Jack Shirley as though he's somebody that's been around forever because theoretically he has been, except that I think he's a couple of years younger than I am. So that's he, I think he just knew what he wanted to do at a young age and was smart enough to do it. <laughs> Well, it's weird when you grow up in a scene and you realize that some of those guys are actually your age or younger than you. It's you just have this image of everybody's always older than you or whatever. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm sitting on my porch right now. And he's Jack Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I met Jack when we recorded the seven inch, which was at the very beginning, like the first weekend of 2020. Um, Justin has been best friends with Jack since who knows how long, probably 15, 20 years at this point. So like they knew each other from forever, but yeah, the first time I met him was when we recorded and I was like, we kind of got the slot really, really last minute, like two weeks before. And Justin's like, let's just go record these songs. We haven't written already. I'm like, okay, sure. So it was just kind of like, uh, all right. Um, so I didn't know how it was going to be. Uh, I, I wasn't, I've never like professionally recorded like dog teeth, um, yeah, yeah. the guitarist in that band, Kim, she, she recorded us. Um, so it's always been like very like non-professional. I mean, she does a great job. I think those recordings came out good, but, um, she's, she doesn't have like her own place in her own studio and all that. Yeah. So I was like, you know, just walking in, like his studio is insane. It's like, it's so nice. Um, but he was really sweet. He was really easy to work with. I hate, 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 hate doing vocals without a band behind me so much. And I was like, not like scared, but I was like, just like dreading it. And like instantly he was just like, no, it's cool. And then like, and then he's like, oh shit. Cause there was like a bunch of people sitting in like the recording room when I was recording. Um, he's like, do you want to get these assholes out of here? I'm like, that's nah, fine. But it was just like, even him like recognizing, like this could be like kind of shitty for you. And like, he didn't know me, you know, yeah, like, yeah, right. just like, I don't know. He's just a really good dude. And he's really smart. And like, it was just cool to see all that shit. Cause like, I've also worked at a record store forever. So it's like, 
I don't know. I was like, this is like the back of a Sunny and Cher record. This is so cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, he has like this like crazy reverb machine. And I'd never seen like what one actually looks like. And it's just like a big, huge cardboard or not cardboard, uh, like wooden box, basically. And I was like, what the hell are these things? Because he had three of them. And he's like, his studio is like super spotless. So I knew it wasn't junk. But yeah. I was like, what is this thing? And it's like outside the studio walls. And he's like, oh, that's a reverb machine. I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, that one was used on uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he just like went about his business. And I'm like, it's just like I don't know. He's so smart. And he's just like, uh, he's just really cool. And then he makes his pasta every time we record with him. Oh, nice. <laughs> Is that who you're recording he with? He does that for sweat. I don't think that comes with every booking session. So right. I don't know. Maybe he should charge extra for it because he makes real good sauce. Is that who you're <laughs> recording with in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Is that like the thing, like that's part of the so- the secret sauce for uh, sweat now? Yeah, I think so. And like he, um, I think if we do like shows up in the Bay Area, like he'll probably play second guitar for us. And okay. we, did, we recorded some like live sessions uh, in July last year. And he did, um, he played second guitar on that and it sounded awesome. So hopefully we can get him in the mix when he's available. But he's always just so fucking busy. Yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah. bad at what he does. Because <laughs> he's only Grammy nominated. <laughs> um, you grew up in upstate New York, like I said before, not to plug somebody else's show, but I was listening to a little bit of the Turned Out a Punk uh, podcast episode that you were on. And it, and I, I mean, I grew up in New Hampshire, which had no uh, punk rock scene whatsoever. And every time I say that, people try to think of bands and then they can't because there was no punk rock scene whatsoever. We we claim like Gigi Allen, a, a generation before me. And that's basically the only like punk rock guy that, or the queers, I guess, are from New Hampshire. Well, one of the... Gigi Allen was from uh, New Hampshire. Yeah, Gigi Allen's from New Hampshire. Ronnie James Dio is from New Hampshire. Oh, wow. And and Joe Queer is from New Hampshire. And that's basically like, I mean, those for a small state, I guess we did. OK, but, but it, it doesn't lend itself to a scene, you know, like. Yeah. So what was what was upstate New York like? Because I'm I'm baffled by any time that there's a scene that exists like outside Boston, New York, yeah. Providence, places like that. Um. Well, I, I actually like grew up in Rome, which is like 40 minutes from Syracuse. Um. So the scene in Rome, there wasn't really one. Like my friends had a band um, called King Dump. They started just like doing like, you know, Misfits and Ramones covers um, and Dead Kennedys and shit like that. And then they like ended up writing their own music. Um, And then that band, No Fucker, they're from Utica, which is like a town over from Rome. Um, So for a while, the singer, John, he had like this really sick building in Utica. He bought it for like no money. It was huge. It was like four four stories and like we all just like help him built it out and like he had like screen printing plant in the bottom and then he had um like the guitarist in no fucker he did play drums for a while um in no fucker jesse is like he had like a little record store in there and then oh wow their friends had like a coffee shop and then like the top couple floors were apartments then he had a venue like it was so sick so like looking back i'm like wow i'm so like i don't know like i'd like I fell out of touch with John for a while and we reconnected a few years ago. And it's just like, I don't know. He's really like a, like super, like my punk rock father figure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would hate to hear that too. Sorry, John. <laughs> uh, but like, he really like, 
And I like, I even asked him then I'm like, why did you like me? Like, I'm so annoying. And he was just like, always oh, so cool to me. And like, I don't know. He just like taught me so much shit and he's taught me so much cool shit. And like, he like made it like, he made it realistic to be like anything you want to do, you can do just fucking do it. You know, like it just like, it wasn't a thing, you know, when I'm like, oh man, like you can like go to Japan and play a bunch of shows if you want. He's like, yeah, like, you know, like he had like, uh, like they would play a bunch of shows like this close and like, like I met Kawakami, like, you know, which is like pretty wild. Like he was just like hanging out in Utica, at this, yeah. at the shop, you know, it's just wild. Like, yeah. Um, and then like John would like bring us to shows every all over all all over. Um, but yeah, so we would go to Syracuse all the time. Um, and then when I got my like license, like immediately I was just like in Syracuse all the time, just for any show there. Um, are there a lot of bands that come through Syracuse? Yeah, we had so I I talked about him on on the other one. Um, this guy Hex Ryan Hex, um, he would book like all the shows when I was growing up. Um, and I would go to almost any show he booked because like he just always brought everyone through. I think a lot of people that aren't from the Northeast don't realize how big New York State is. Like from Buffalo to New York City is like what eight hours, you know? So like yeah. Syracuse is a really good stopping point if you're doing like New York to Toronto, like. Syracuse is a good stopping point. Even if you're doing Buffalo to like Albany or something, that's still five hours. Like the Syracuse is a nice middle point. Um, or if you're just doing like a weekend of shows, you could do Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse and have like three pretty different shows. Um, but yeah, we would get a lot of people. Um, I think, you know, like Syracuse had like, uh, kind of the like, uh, prestige i guess of like the new year shows so a lot of people like that like there was a big tough guy scene there was like a big like like punker scene like i don't know like casualties s kind of like yeah, yeah. There. and then there was like the like you know more like two steppy boston hardcore like attract attraction scene and like i feel like hex did a pretty good job at like mixing all of them together um but yeah so like i think that it there were just like a lot of things all the time um it's weird too because you would think like because Syracuse is a really big college town I don't feel right. like a lot of college kids were going to those shows I feel like those were like the non-college kids that were at the shows maybe I was wrong maybe I was just like young and like enamored and thought that everyone was a punk but um it didn't feel that way and then the last time I went to a show in Syracuse when I went home to visit it didn't seem like a whole lot of like SU students were there it seemed like a, like still like the punks that lived in Syracuse yeah, it doesn't seem like, I mean, I have limited knowledge of people that went to Syracuse. And I think that most of the people that I know that went to Syracuse are sports writers. And so they're not necessarily like the punk rockers. You yeah. Know that? Like, whereas I don't know. I, it was I just, probably easier in Boston, although we had a weird scene by the time that I moved. I went to college in Boston and, and the scene was really weird then by by the time that I moved there. So it was like after all the Boston hardcore stuff and right around the time that the cops started shutting down house shows and stuff like that and oh, yeah. we, we had the skinhead thing versus the fsu thing and so it just got like and they show up at the most random show like at a less than jake show or the, <laughs> in portsmouth new hampshire like fsu showing i'm like what the fuck? I would like, <laughs> we can't even can't even go here <laughs> like <laughs> oh man yeah it was funny. I have, I had a friend uh, who's from out here. He's great. He moved, he lived in Boston for like maybe one or two years. And uh, we went to visit him and we we're like, Oh, like, you know, how is it out here? He's like, it's fucking weird. He's like, all the punks are Republicans. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Whoa. 
<laughs> it was just, like funny because like uh I don't know I'm, yeah I went to Boston a few times for shows but not not too much um so it was funny to hear that um but then it's also funny because on the flip side of that like a lot of my favorite like more current hardcore bands are from Boston you know yeah um like Rival Mob and Boston Strangler and all them like they're just like those are just, like perfect fucking records and yeah then, but then there's like also so much like other bullshit going on there too yeah there's a weird that that whole faction of the scene is is bizarre too it, it's very real though there's a lot of uh boy not to throw major bands under the bus but there's a lot of fans of let's say probably the most popular boston band of the last 20 years that are really <clears throat> i mean that are cops literally so <laughs> like uh, well. <laughs> Don't get me started. Talk I'm gonna, it, talk yeah, talk I'm gonna make it. some enemies on this show. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That? No, it's fine. They, <clears throat> We're gonna cut this out and put the video of Mackie playing Soul Drums. Right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, there goes my chances of getting photo passes when they open up the <laughs> the new concert venue, Roadrunner. Which, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, that that's a weird part of the scene, and I have some friends from from nashville well they're from west virginia but their band is based out of nashville and they came up to boston this is probably eight or nine years ago and they wanted to see like the gritty parts of boston or whatever that that in the town and the departed and old <laughs> old like boss tones and dropkick murphy's videos and whatever and i was like yeah that doesn't exist dude like yeah that hasn't been a thing here for a long time unfortunately boston isn't that by any stretch of the imagination it hasn't been since probably the late 90s like that and they were so like bummed out <laughs> like like boston's a lot safer it's a lot nicer like you can take your kid out during daylight hours in some well, of those neighborhoods and <clears throat> so so that part of it is nice but but it's not like that old scene and the <clears throat> the fans of a certain band uh who <laughs> who play an awful lot of St. Patrick's Day shows in, in Boston. I, I mean, do the math. Yeah, they kind of, they're the worst. Not the band, not the band. I say that emphatically, not the band. But the fans of the band are just the worst. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, like, it's like the pride and joy of Boston, right? Like that Wahlberg and, and fucking Brady. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and and who does Wahlberg play in most of his movies? He plays a cop, and and they himself. <laughs> Wahlberg playing Mark Wahlberg in The Departed Kid. Uh, yeah, I got stories about that guy too, but that's for that's for <gasps> really Ooh. that's for well off air. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's the old family neighborhood, and so there's some old family interactions between that family and mine and my mother's side and. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's for flying out of Logan because it's just like his face plastered everywhere. It's like all the all the movies about Boston, and it's like Wahlberg, 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 Matt Damon, Wahlberg, Wahlberg, Wahlberg. Yeah, <laughs> I will say what I will say about Wahlberg is at least he does a Boston accent well, unlike the other two knuckleheads, the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. They're yeah. they're awful, listen, because <laughs> they're they're rich kids. At least Wahlberg was a working class kid, you know. Come back. He was definitely a scumbag. Uh, you can, folks can Google that. Uh, I can, I can say that because I myself have come up like that. So it's fine. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, 
Boy, before right. I get myself into, uh, boy, I'm going to piss off a lot of people if I just let myself go. It's a good thing I'm only drinking like water right now because uh, <laughs> it's going to be a very different show otherwise. Um, are, the, are there plans to take, yeah, let's get back on track. Are there plans to take the sweat show on the road? Hopefully, uh, I know you said the album release is coming up in a couple of days now, but uh, are there plans to take the show on the road, hopefully, when, when yeah. things open up? We're, we're trying to figure out, um, cause we really want to do Europe. I've never toured Europe, never played Europe. That would be so sick. Um, so we're trying to figure out if it's, if we should do it in the summer, if the summer is too soon because the record just came out and we haven't played a whole lot of shows or if we should wait till the winter. But my concern about the winter is like, what if COVID spikes again? Because that's when like it's gathering right. happen and people just get sick in general because of the weather change. So I'm trying to figure that out regardless we're gonna play shows so I don't know if we're just gonna do like you know a full a full on like three four week two or straight straight on or if we're gonna do like oh, a week on the east coast week on the west coast maybe do Mexico maybe do some Canada dates like I don't know so we're trying to figure that out um but that is the plan like whatever I gotta quit jobs I'll quit jobs <laughs> <laughs> I always get nervous Here when bands tour Europe in the winter time because I feel like every band that you follow if they're touring in like a sprinter van or whatever there's always like pictures of the van off the side of the road because it's so snowy and shit like that like I always get nervous when people tour in the winter I think Justin is just such a maniac and he's so like seasoned that like it's like (laughs) he's done it so many times and like you know he um because of his schedule like he usually has the winter like a month off in the winter so he's always touring in the winter anyways um so yeah, he's, he knows what he's doing. All the, I feel like all the COVID restrictions as well, like you were sort of talking about that just, just throws another whole level into trying to tour wow. Europe and how things change between countries. And I think mm-hmm. uh, one of the, one of the first bands I talked to on this, when we converted to more of a podcast and started talking over zoom was bad cop, bad cop. And Jenny was talking about how they were essentially like, they were in Europe as things were shutting down, but not every country was shutting down. And so different countries had different regulations. And it was almost like, if you go to Czechoslovakia, you can't go back. And it, there was all these like, weird, they were like outrunning closings. And then who's going to get the van from this point back to like Sweden, wherever the hell it, it was, it was wild. And, and trying to tour through the start of a world shutting down is, I can't imagine. Yeah, I had a friend, um, wasn't touring, but he was just out visiting a girlfriend and he was supposed to be there for a month and he ended up being there for like seven months because he couldn't come back. So, I mean, he was like, it's cool. <laughs> like He was pumped. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I got a quarantine. I'd rather do it out here. But yeah, it's just like crazy to think that like you're not allowed to leave a place. Austin Lucas, who's a singer songwriter from Indiana. He went to Germany to visit his girlfriend and he was in Germany for over a year, I think. <laughs> Whoa! kind of yeah hadn't seen his house in Bloomington <laughs> Indiana or whatever that he bought like the year before hadn't seen it in over a year just because it was easier to yeah rather like she couldn't come here and then it was going to be hard for him to leave and then there were different vaccination things going on and different outbreaks yeah. at different places so he just hunkered down in Germany for a year made a record and you know, do what you got to do <laughs> <laughs> um it so as I as I mentioned in the little introduction that people might know you from the wrestling world too. And if there's a world that I know less about than uh, hardcore, it's wrestling for sure. Cause I feel like those, uh, I feel like, 
I know once I hit 14 I and started working, like I didn't have time for wrestling anymore. And so that sort of stayed in my rear view mirror. But uh, is it, I was sort of thinking about this the other day is, you know, the, the sort of DIY music scene, the DIY uh, wrestling scenes almost have these sort of paths that mirror each other in the yeah. way that, that, that the sort of shows get put on locally in high school gymnasiums and Knights of Columbus halls and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and so I wonder if you know more people that have sort of come through the ranks in music and made it, made it, whatever that means, or, or through the wrestling world. And which do you think is easier or harder to do? Oh God, it really depends. Like I'd say it's, prob well okay i guess the difference is um wrestling the rug can get taken out like out from under you like overnight because someone decides like yeah you're not it you're cut you know like and that's that and like yes you'll have like your fan base but like i feel like there's almost a hustle that never can stop to a degree with wrestling like you all like you're just like 100 all the time like hey, hey hey you know like it's a lot of work. And I feel like the only time you can like chill and it's not even chilling is like when you're signed to a major and you're actually like in one of like the upper tiers in terms of like slots. And even then it's like still a ton of work. You just don't have to like, you're not scrambling to make all your bookings. You're not scrambling to make your merch. You're not, you know, so it's like, there's still other things that you have to do, but it's, you're, you're less like, okay, how am I going to pay all my stuff? It's like, everything's paid, but you have A, B, C, D, E to fill, you know? Um, and then also, even then, like, if you break your leg, you break your neck, you do something, you know, like, unless you're willing to, like, take a backstage role or something. Um, so I guess, like, I don't know. It's so hard to compare the, the two in terms of success, right? Yeah, like, yeah right. And I'm assuming you mean success in, like, that's your job, right? Sure. Right? We, we we can call it that. I mean, I, I know that success, especially if we're talking about, I guess, DIY, punk rock, hardcore wrestling. I, I know that success is sort of a relative term, but, but yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess like, as making it yeah. out of a scene or whatever. So whether it's, it becomes your day job or yeah. sort of making it outside a local circuit. So making a name for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think if uh, it's hard, I feel like it's hard for like music to just like completely go away. So I feel like in, in the long term, probably I know more people that are like successful in, in the music world. Um, yeah, wrestling's pretty like uh, unforgiving business, and like if like you you can be easily forgotten about and like kind of like put to the curb, and it's like very like you know uh, there's a high turnover rate. There's a lot of like you know that they want people to be younger and younger and younger so it's shorter and shorter shelf life so there's a whole bunch of different factors but that being said i feel like a lot more people are realizing that it's like there's so much more places to get wrestling from and there's so many different styles of wrestling so there is like something for everyone kind of thing i think that's maybe uh, one of the big realizations i know a lot of people that have sort of fallen back in love with wrestling over the last couple of years uh, yeah. I think that sort of the the Vince McMahon corporatization of wrestling sort of turned a lot of people off to it for a long yeah. time. But and so but that also I mean, just like with major labels and 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 radio and whatever like that, if that's your only exposure to it, then that's all you know about. But yeah. if you 
I think being at home has allowed more people to get a lot of more entertainment from a lot of other places and yeah. realize that, oh, it's not just the Vince McMahon show anymore. Like there's a lot of people who are doing really cool stuff like, yeah. under that level. And then if you like, I mean, it's not even that that's, that's, what's crazy about it. Like sometimes like, especially like being on shows and like being in the locker room and like hearing people talk and then like watching them perform and being like, holy shit, like your brain works like a crazy person. I love it. Just like, yeah. happily, like think about things and like make it happen. Like it's so sick, but like you realize that like, yes, there's top people because they're like next level wrestlers. And I'm not saying that WWE doesn't have like the most insane wrestlers. However, like there's a lot of people that aren't signed that are like that level. They're just like not willing to do that because there is a lot of like sacrifices and a lot of bullshit you have to swallow to do that, you know? So like, there is a lot of talent on like the indie scenes. That's just like next level and they just want their freedom, you know? So like, I think AEW is kind of giving wrestlers a lot more freedom. So I think that a lot of that talent is being showcased on a national level, which is tight. Um, But yeah, I, I just love it. I think the more people that like wrestling, the more people that watch wrestling, the more people that support wrestling, there's going to be more wrestling, you know? So it's like, and there's going to be different iterations and you're like, AEW isn't like, Oh, we're like WWE, but cooler. They're their own thing. You know, like they're like, their booking is different. Like the look is different. The way they tell the stories is different. And so it's really cool how it's like, you know, well, uh, it's good that there's a viable, I don't want to say big brother, little brother sort of situation. Cause like you said, they are different, but it's good that there's another viable outlet now, because I feel like, I mean, for a while, it seemed like something else would pop up and then it goes away and something yeah. else would pop up and then it goes away. Sort of like with football, right? They keep trying to launch these alternate NFL leagues and yeah. they can't make it through a season for financial reasons and a whole bunch of other things. But so to me, it felt sort of like that for a while, but for whatever reason, AEW gained traction. Yeah. Uh, money. <laughs> no, that's yeah, probably true. It, it just makes um, it just makes everyone elevate their stuff. You know, when there's like any sort of competition, everyone has to like do different things and just like figure out a different way to do things. Even if you don't agree with like, you know, a style or a decision or whatever, there's still like, let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. Let's try it this way. It dawned on me as we were talking that I should know more about wrestling because uh <laughs> The one person who came from my the city that I grew up in is Triple H. He, oh, from the the pride of Nashua, New Hampshire. <laughs> he trained. Uh, he trained with um, Killer Kowalski. He he did. He shopped at the grocery store that I used to work at all the time. He in China back in the day. Yeah, it would be so weird to just like leave work and go to Gold's Gym sort of down the street, and they were both just working out and we're playing Isn't basketball. So it's this. It was really weird. That's but it was so just like normal. My my uncle graduated the same year that Paul Levesque did, Triple H. Uh, and they like they played football for the high school together. And but yeah. he was just he was just Paul Levesque. He wasn't Hunter was Hurst. Was from there too? Where is she from? I don't even know. She's not, but she was here because he was. I don't know where she was from. Something tells me she was from Miami, but she wasn't she wasn't from Nashua anyway. Dang. I really, I truly wish I would have been able to meet her. She like she was just so cool. I just always loved like the like women that had like the big ass arms. Like I loved Luna. I loved yeah, her. yeah. yeah. I'm just like, oh man, they're so cool. I remember seeing Luna when I was in kindergarten and I was like in love with her. I'm like, she's so cool. 
I would like tease my hair and like talk like her at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Ehh. yeah. I mean, really, my only frame because that was after I really stopped watching uh, wrestling, really. But I knew who they were. Yeah, like because because I knew that other people knew who they were, but to me and they were just like huge. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's big. He's big. He's yeah. He's big. He's, I mean, he's, I don't know about back then, but he's definitely. Big. Yeah, this was well. Let's see what years was I working at the grocery store between like ninety six and ninety nine. So as as they were they were getting to like the peak of yeah who they became like yeah they were big, but <laughs> they were just like people that came into. Yeah. that I'd have to find yogurt for or whatever. Like I, <laughs> there's a weird connection there. <laughs> That's pretty tight. Yeah. I never really, it didn't really dawn on me until we were talking right now. I was like, Oh yeah, I should know. I should care more about wrestling because I went to the same high school it. as triple H. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start watching again. When <clears throat> are, are Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty still alive? I don't, I don't know. Like they were my favorite back in the day. The rockers. Um uh they are. They're both still alive. Um yeah. John Michaels helps out um with like the developmental program for WWE, which is like so sick. I do know that Brutus the Barber Beefcake lives not far from where I live now, too. And and, you and people can Google why that might have made the news maybe 15 years ago. Because he started an anthrax scare at one of the uh, tea stations in downtown Boston. That is a true story. It wasn't, and I, I hate to make light of the situation because it was a sad situation. But he left his cocaine in the. He was working at the toll collection agent thing at, like, for the Mass Bay Transit Association, the MBTA. He was working at the one of the tea stations, and he left his baggie of coke in the train station. And somebody thought it was anthrax because it's like during the time of when an anthrax scare was a thing. And so it oh, shut no. down. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 bad to make light of. It was it was a it was a sad situation. And I would it, not remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah, at all. that's gotta be it's gotta be like 2004 or five, somewhere in that neighborhood. It was like it was when anthrax scares were sort yeah. of a thing a little bit. Yeah, he uh, definitely there was definitely an orange line station in downtown Boston that got shut down for a day. <clears throat> Google it or don't. Cause really it's sad. And I, I do understand that he has sort of turned things around since those days, but I don't want to take up too much of your evening. This is a, this has been a fun chat. Uh, yeah. People can, like I said, I'll pretend I'm a talk show host. I'll pretend I'm yeah. Letterman. Who's <laughs> my idol. Uh, people can buy the album i see now i will have to put the video version up people can buy the album it's called gotta give it up it's on pirates press records it's out uh later than it should have been thanks to adele but it is out you can buy it from pirates press and you can probably find it at good record stores uh tuna thanks for coming on yeah thank you so much for having me this has been great